Get your glasses up, get your glasses up, toast to me. Toasters, I love toasters. Toasters, I love an underdog. I often find myself rooting for the underdog, uh, the half-not, the one with the odds against him, uh, whether it's in team sports uh, or in life in general. I, I love an underdog, but I love an underdog who believes in himself. You know, and, uh, you know, I was thinking today, I was like, man, why, why do I love the underdog? And I think I love the underdog because you know, I can resonate with that a lot. I've played the underdog role a few times uh, in life, um, going back to youth. Uh, sometimes uh, in my adult life, uh, in the professional realm. And what's uh, what's amazing is that um, we all play the underdog whether we know it or not. We all at times would be the underdog in a situation. Now, if you don't think or believe you are ever the underdog, you're delusional because no one is the lead dog all the time. No one uh, knows everything. And so whoever thinks they are never the underdog leave themselves at a disadvantage. You know, uh, there's a scripture that says uh, many, many of the, the first, or many of the first shall be last and the last first. Uh, and that's just the underdog knowing, hey, I have a weakness. That's something I need to work on. Uh, I don't got it all. I don't know all the answers. But if I learn this, if I humble myself, if I attain this, I'll be the lead dog in this. You know, so being an underdog doesn't mean you lack confidence. It just means uh, you're you're uh, realistic. You know where you are. You're honest with yourself. But you know, hey, once I attain this knowledge or the skill set, this experience, I'm going to be where I want to be, and that's leading the pack. That's just what it is and what's so good about once being an underdog in a discipline or an area or profession or somewhere in life and you having that confidence and then reaching a point to where you're the lead dog what's so beautiful about that is because you can relate to all people uh, in that discipline in that profession or different people uh, around your life Uh, for instance any uh, coach in a professional level, whether it's NBA, NFL, more times than not, the coach was not a Hall of Famer, was not even a great player, and sometimes not even a good player. Many times did not even play at the professional level. Now, really think about that, man. These guys are coaching professionally, but they never excelled or played the game at all at a professional level, at a high level. Why is that? Because they are the underdog, and the way they see the game, they see it from all aspects. Sometimes when you're so great, or many times when you're great at something, you can't relate to someone that doesn't quite get it, that doesn't quite attain it, 
is not quite skillful. But when you were the underdog, you were that that uh, unskilled person. And then you grow and climb and reach a level to when you're the top dog. You can relate to everyone. You can relate to the underdog. You can relate, relate to the lead dog because you're in that role now. And so when a guy rides the bench or he doesn't make the team, uh, he focuses so much on the nuances of a game, the nuances of a profession, of life, uh, because he's not the superstar. And uh, so he, he pays attention to the small things, and he can resonate and communicate with everyone. Becomes the lead dog. That's, that's just how it works, man. Uh, Magic Johnson sucked as a coach. Michael Jordan never coached, but I'm sure he wouldn't do well, but he sucked as an executive. You know, he can't pick talent. He just can't. When you have the talent of a Michael Jordan, how can, how can you pick a talent that doesn't look good on paper? How can you really see the dog in the person, the dedication in the person? Because you never really have to go through that, you know, as a professional player, even a college player. He, he was the man as a college player. Um, so these guys just don't, they don't make, these superstars don't make good coaches uh, most times or good execs most times because the way they view life, the way they view their profession, their discipline, whereas the underdog can come through and become the lead dog because they can resonate or relate to all aspects of that discipline of their profession or, or ways of life. Man, uh, two, well, not two years ago, maybe, maybe five, six years ago, I was coaching at the, coaching basketball at the YMCA. And, man, they get, this is my first time coaching at the YMCA. Now, I've been coaching since I was in high school. Since I was 17, I was coaching my nephews, Little League. Uh, and I love coaching. It just comes natural to me. I love it. I love developing. So I love to see a player that wasn't good or couldn't do certain things, maybe was good, but lacked certain skill sets. And we worked on it and worked on it. And I see the growth. I see the development. I just love the process of coaching and developing. So anyway, I had taken a hiatus from coaching for some years. And I said, well, I want to get back into it. And so, uh, I said, well, I'm going to do something different. Man. I'm not going to, you know, go to a team. I, I know I'm going to do something differently. I'm going to go to the YMCA and see what they got available. Uh, so that's what I did. Went to the YMCA. And these guys, man, it was my first time, of course, coaching in the YMCA uh, circuit. And so these guys gave me the runt, man, the runt of the group. These kids had never played organized ball at all. It was just 10 and under. No one on my team had ever played organized ball. And I could tell by looking at the other teams in practice that they knew each other. They had a rapport with one another. They knew the coach. They knew one another. The kids knew one another. This wasn't their first time playing ball. But, you know, I guess it's only fair. I'm a new coach. I, I can't get, you know, the cream of the crop, the top-tier players. I got to start from the bottom, work my way up, right? I got to prove myself if I just come in picking players. I don't know the players anyway. So, but uh, the tenured coaches got the first picks, and and that's just the way that goes. So I understand, you know, no, no harm, no foul. 
But, uh, man, I I saw some some talent on the team, but for the most part, man, they uh, they lack discipline. They didn't know uh, basic uh, defenses, basic offenses, uh, basic movements, how to move with your feet. So we had to work on footwork. We had to start from the basics, man, like the basics. There's just certain things they didn't know. They, uh, they had only played in their backyard or at the park or at the school. Never played organized ball. So I had to start from the, the, the bottom, uh, build the foundation, right? But one thing that, that stood out, man, um, one thing that stood out, one of these players I had, one of these young kids, uh, he came to practice. His uncle brought him and would bring him to practice. And this kid would always show up to practice in pants. You know, we're at basketball practice, and he would show up in pants. And I noticed, you know, uh, pants were maybe kind of short. Uh, didn't, 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 uh, didn't quite fit well. He was a tall kid. 10 years old, and uh, shoes kind of run down, you know, uh, so I could, I could just tell, you know, just humble beginnings, you know, uh, he didn't have as much of the other kids. The other kids on the team, and I had about eight or nine players, maybe maybe 10 players. Uh, the other kids, yeah, I definitely had 10 or 11 players, but the other kids had the newest shoes, the Jordans, the Kobe's, the KD's. Um, the wristbands, the headbands, you know, the nice shorts, nice, nice practice jerseys, you know, um, the Nike, the Nike uh, socks. Man, they they looked the part, right? They looked the part, and uh, it really, looking back, I didn't really realize this then. Maybe I should have, but looking back now, like right now, looking back. They really didn't speak to this kid. They really didn't communicate with this kid. Uh, he was kind of a loner, lone wolf. And I understand how that could be uh, dealing with kids, even grown folks sometimes. When you don't fit in, you don't dress or look look like they look, uh, you can stand out. And uh, sometimes they don't want to deal with you. Uh, they'll, uh, you know, uh, cut you off. And sometimes there's insecurity in you. That uh, you know, you're you're afraid to be around them because it exposes what what you think you lack, and, and you don't want to you know have to look at that and what you lack, and so um, you know sometimes it's not one sided. Sometimes you know the the underdog, the so called victim, or the one that doesn't have much, um, you know, is projecting and, and putting out that negative energy. It's not always the person that has. That is uh, looking down on someone that doesn't have much. So, you know, that thing could go both ways. But I did notice they didn't communicate. He didn't communicate with the other kids much. But I will tell you this, man. Uh, this kid paid attention. Always paid attention. He was uh, very intense when I was teaching and coaching and showing him different things. And was... Uh, it was crazy that I had a set of twins, some brothers, set of twins, of course, on the team. And they were the exact opposite of him. They didn't listen. Uh, man, they, they'd be digging in their noses, digging in their butts. And, and their mom would bring them 
or sometimes their, their granddad. So the granddad would bring them sometimes, the mom would bring them sometimes, and on game day, the father would show up. So I don't think the mother and father were, were together, but on game day, the father would show up. And so these kids had a nice foundation, and then they were dressed to the T. They looked the part of some hoopers, right? But these kids could not do a layup. Uh, I, I'm telling you, man, they couldn't make a layup, and but they were dressed to the T. Uh, they didn't listen, and every practice, they never failed. Every practice, because they were not paying attention, I would have to make these twins run laps, and then they would come back focused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, that's just the way it was. But I never had to make this other kid run laps, never had to get on to him. He, he wanted it. And one practice, I had my guards on one end of the court, I had my big men and my shooters on the other end. And uh, I want to say he was my only big man. Yeah, he was my only big man. So I had him by himself, right? If that's something, it's by himself again as the lone big man. So I'm showing him uh, he's getting special attention now. He's getting special attention because he's our only big man. My other guys are short guards or shooters. But he's my only guy with some height. Uh, now, during game day or practice, I'm forced to put another guy down there as a big man because, you know, we're limited. But he's my only true big man that can post up and, and really block shots and stuff like that. And I, I can depend on to rebound. So I'm working one-on-one -on -one work with him, and I'm showing different things, and he's getting it. He's grasping it. He has a high aptitude to pick up things. I know that right off. Don't have to repeat a lot. But you can tell uh, he lacks skill in kind of shooting and some dribbling. But over the course of practices, weeks, days, weeks, I've noticed he's getting better. But one day he comes to me while I'm working with him one-on-one. -on -one, he says, Coach, uh, I want to uh, I want to learn the game. I'm going to always listen. I'm going to play hard. I just, you know, whatever I got to do to get in the game, that's what I'm going to do. Now, this kid is 10 years old talking like this. And here we got, you know, these, these set of twins. Um, man, I got to make them run laps every day. They, they don't care, but they got a cushy. They got a cushy situation. Where this one kid, he doesn't, his situation isn't so cushy. You can tell. You can tell. Um. And the only shorts he ever has is on game day, the shorts I issue, you know, the, the, the uniforms. Uh, but you can tell his situation is a cushy, but he's humble. He knows. He knows what he lacks. He knows he's the underdog. But without him directly saying it, he also knows he's going to work hard and he's going to grasp it. He's going to get better. And he's going to be lead dog. He knows this. You can tell he's confident. Even though his situation on the outside, as far as materialistic things, clothing, is, is, uh, is, is humbling. But he got a fire inside of him. He got a dog and a confidence inside of him that you can't put a, a price on. Uh, hey, man, Tosas, I don't know who needs to hear this, brothers or sisters, but Man, just be ready. Just be ready to learn. Just be ready 
to get the knowledge and the wisdom. Whatever situation you're in, you may be the underdog, but just be ready. Be ready to take lessons from the coach. Be ready to practice hard. Don't get down on yourself, and you'll get in the game. And when the kid told me this, I told him, hey, listen, you you don't have to ever worry about getting in the game, ever. I said, with your attitude, with your work ethic, you'll always get in the game. I said, I promise you that. I said, don't ever worry about getting in the game. You'll always get in the game. And that I held true to my word. He was always in the game, uh, almost the whole game. Now, it literally, you got to give players a certain amount of time, you know, just being a good sport. And they paid money to get in. So, you know, it's not it's not high school, right? It's not even junior high. It's not junior high, high school, college, professional. You can't just sit a kid on the bench the entire game. You got to let them in. So I had to let the twins. Sorry, I had to let the twins in <laughs> to get the time. But I put them in the right times where we couldn't really get blown out. Uh, and it wouldn't be too bad. I wouldn't suffer too bad when they were in there. But this one kid. I tried to keep him out there uh, the entire game. Only took him out when he really needed a breather because I could depend on him. And, you know, like I said, it's things he lacked skill-wise. I never got on to him about wearing pants to practice because I felt, obviously, he, he, he doesn't have any gym shorts. And after talking to the kid, very sensible kid, very intelligent kid. So I figured if he had the gym shorts, he would wear the gym shorts. His uncle brings them here. Uh, they they got to know, you know, to wear shorts to practice. They see everyone else with shorts, uh, wearing shorts at practice. So obviously, he doesn't have the gym shorts. So I never even spoke on it. Um, you know, and, and I thought about bringing him some, but then I didn't want to, uh, embarrass him, or possibly undermine the uncle. Uh, so, you know, and then I didn't want to be in a situation where I had to buy the whole team's of shorts, and I wasn't doing that. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's okay to be the underdog. It's okay. Uh, like I said, you know, most times, the ones who are first will be last, and the last first. And we got to all recognize that, man, we got some thorns, or thorn in our side, and we got to keep working on something. If something is something, it's a thorn in our side that's keeping us humble, just letting us know, man, you ain't quite there. No, you ain't got it all figured out. You ain't perfect. It's a thorn in our side, man, and that, that might be the person you're with. That might be something you lack intellectually. That might be something you lack emotionally. It keeps testing you, keeps keeping you humble to let you know, man, you got a ways to go. You got a ways to go. Uh, and what, what's, what's crazy, man, we'll always have that. Or we should recognize we have that. But as soon as you think, man, you don't have a weakness, a thorn in your side, and you're never the underdog, Man, you really leave yourself at a disadvantage. And just like those twins, man, those twins, they're underdogs too. 
if they realize it. Because they got a story that they sucked. They got a story. They sucked in basketball. And they got another story. They didn't pay attention. They were distractions. And so they got a story there. And they can turn that around and tell that story to someone and show them how they came over, how they got through to the other side of success, you know, by working on their game, by paying attention, by taking practice serious. But they got to recognize that. They got to assume that role of the underdog and say, man, this, these are thorns in our side, and uh, we got to do better. We got to pay attention, focus, and do better. So, yeah, man, stay, stay the course. I know I say it a lot, stay the course. It's, it's true, though. Don't get so down. It's not the end of the world being an underdog. You're in the perfect position to be the lead dog. You know, and, and once you become that lead dog, you, you're going to be there to stay because you know what's it like to be on the other end. You know what it like it's like to be the one of, of the pack. So, yeah, man, let me know what you guys think. Always stay up, toasters. Always. From me to you. Love. Peace.